Okay, if you will turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 19, Matthew chapter 19, as we continue with um, Jesus and the Pharisees and concerning divorce. Is marriage an important institution? Is it important to us today? Should we be looking at it the way that our society looks at it? Those are some questions that we need to be examining in our own hearts and souls. And as believers, where do we find the answers? And that is in God's Word. And so we need to go to God's Word. You know, it's a shame that we enter today in this day and time so often enter into a relationship and enter into it with the intent that well, if it's not going to work out, then I'll get out of it. If I don't like it, then I'll leave. Or there's other things that may come about, like uh, cohabitation, uh, joining together before marriage. Let's just work it out. Let's see if this thing is going to work out. And then if it doesn't, then uh, we just won't tie the knot. How serious is it? And the Pharisees, they were running into a lot of the same questions, a lot of the same difficulties, a lot of the same things. During that day and time, there were two schools, the Hillel school, that they just allowed uh, divorce for any reason at all, basically, and then the uh, Shammai school, which uh, was stricter. And so uh, the Pharisees are coming to Jesus, and they're saying, okay, which is right, and they're wanting Jesus to pit himself against one or the other, so that, uh, and they had heard his teaching earlier and what he said, and so they, they figured that he would join with the uh, Shammai school, but um, they, the reason was uh, evil in their hearts, because once, they, once he was uh, pitted with one group or the other, well then sided with one group or the other, then what would happen? Uh, there would be a reason for them to really attack him and people to divide over him because there was division in those schools and in those thoughts among the people. And so uh, they were hoping that his following would decrease with this and it would cause problems. So we come to chapter 19. It says, And it came about that when Jesus had finished these words, he departed from Galilee and came into the region of Judea beyond Jordan, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them there. Now, we've got to remember that he is moving into the temple area. He's moving into Jerusalem. He's moving uh, towards the cross. And so uh, things are going to be looked uh, at a little bit differently. Uh, and the heat of the uh, situation as far as him going to the cross will become more intense. Uh, as he follows this journey, as he follows this road, because this is where he's headed. And so some of the Pharisees uh, came to him, testing him, and saying, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any cause at all? And he answered and said to them, Have you not read, aren't you people of the book, that he who created them, from the beginning made them male and female, and said, For this cause a man shall leave his father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. 
Consequently, they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. They said to him, then why did uh, Moses uh, command, and look at the word command, you highlight that, to give her a certificate of divorce and send her away? And he said to them, because of your hardness of heart, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning it, was, it has not been this way. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for immorality and carries, marries another woman commits adultery. And the disciples said to him, if the relationship of the man with his wife is like this, here are the disciples with Jesus, Jesus pulling them away from the crowd, Pharisees and all that after he answered them. The disciples in private said to him, if the relationship of the man with his wife is like this, it is better not to marry. In other words, man, how can you stay married? But he said to them on this issue, not all men can accept this statement but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who were born that way from the mother's womb. In other words, they just never married. And there are eunuchs who were made eunuchs by men. In other words, a lot of the kings uh, with their harems, uh, they would uh, have eunuchs guard them and they would um, uh, castrate them and, and put them in charge of it so that there wouldn't be any problem there. So, uh, and there are also eunuchs like Paul who made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. In other words, determined not to, uh, you know, be a certain way and, and to devote their entire life to the gospel. And so he who is able to accept this, let him accept it. There's a lot in there. More than what we can cover in two weeks. But I want us to go to the Lord in prayer because this, today, we talked about what the Pharisees said about divorce last week. This today is very important because Jesus redirects them. They're majoring on the wrong thing. Jesus majors on the right thing. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I want you to, and I just ask you to just control this time give me the words to say and the heart to say it with and the right motives and and lord uh right attitude and i i just pray that uh, uh you'll help me to be honest to you to you and and uh honest to your word and and uh, true to your word and i just pray that i'll just share it as as uh you lead me and and lord uh i just pray that uh, with that you you will help us to to see as the Holy Spirit has to deal with our hearts. I can't. I can be the vessel that shares the word, but uh, the Holy Spirit has to deal with the heart. And I pray that, that I'll not mislead anyone. Uh, I know I wouldn't intentionally, but uh, not mislead anyone. And, and Lord, that um, I'll just share what uh, is there for us to, uh, to understand. And the repercussions and other things, application, different things uh, will come from my heart and, and what... I've uh, studied and read, and so, Lord, help the people to understand that also. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus' response is what the Bible says. Have you not read that he created them from the beginning, and the one that created them made them male and female? Who's he talking about? Well, he's talking about God. And said, for this 
reason or for this cause a man shall leave his father and mother shall cleave to his wife and the two shall become one flesh now we today often make a grave mistake when talking about divorce when we don't talk about it at all that is a grave mistake and that is happening today because we live in a counterculture type of society where, and you may call it a council culture type of society that wants to counsel everybody out except some themselves and what they're talking about. But we, we are so sensitive to that that we don't want to tell them the truth. We don't want to be truthful. We're afraid that we're going to offend somebody or we're afraid that we're going to hurt somebody or we're afraid that we're going to lose friendships. And I tell you what, I am no different than anyone else because all of us have it somewhere in our families, whether directly, indirectly, we, you know, we have it. We're not perfect individuals. So first of all, it's a grave mistake not to mention it. And not to be honest about it is also a grave mistake. And also in being honest about it, not to be biblical about it. In other words, just giving us, giving other people our opinions and our feelings, which we so often do today. And I'm not excluded in any way. We often make the mistake of talking about divorce as if it, is a stand-alone issue. It is not a stand-alone issue. Divorce is not by itself. No great moral issue is. Did you hear me? No great moral issue is. We should not be talking about divorce as Jesus shares with us here and, and gives us and demonstrates to us how we should share about it we should not just share about divorce as a standalone issue. That's what we're going to talk about. If you're going to talk about it, do like Jesus. Talk about marriage. You've got to lay the foundation. Jesus gives us the example how, of how to address divorce. And he starts with marriage before even addressing the issue of divorce. The Pharisees want Jesus to split the crowd, as I said earlier. They want him to cause division with his answer. And so he just reveals who the Pharisees are and what their hearts are really about. They're conniving, they're evil, religious men. And so he reveals their intention by jumping over their question and then asking one himself about what should have been asked from the beginning. He says, have you not read? I'm not talking about divorce. You've got to get back to the root of it. Have you not read? And this question, in essence, captures their guilt. And Jesus basically saying, you guys who say that you are of the Word ought to read and study the Word sometimes. Jesus was letting the Pharisees know that their argument was not an argument with just 
him and them debating or him and the schools debating. The argument was with God and his word, with the truth. And so he takes the Pharisees to Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. And God created man in his own image, and in the image of God he created him. Male and female, he created them. I want you to see something that's very important here. How did man and woman come about? Simple question. God created them. God created them. Jesus lets them know that they needed to understand the one purpose for creating man and woman. Now we know that man was lonely and he was not complete and God made a helpmate for him. And she was taken from man's side and God made woman for man and man for woman. Simple as that. We need to understand some very important things concerning God's intent for creation of man and woman and marriage relationship. And this deals with the marriage relationship big time. And I'll mention some stats in just a few moments. But first of all, there is a difference between man and woman. Do you agree? Amen. I want to tell you, I look out at you and you can look at me, and I am not a woman. No. <laughs> I am a man. And that woman right there that I've been married to, come August the 15th, for 49 years, I want to guarantee you she is a woman. So what does that say biblically? That says that there are no days. Did you hear me? There are no days. Do you know what days are? They are it's. And you know what it is? They're confused in understanding who they are, a male or a female. Now I want to tell you something. If they get alone, and I don't mean to be ugly here, but if they get alone and they get in the bathroom and they start taking a bath or a shower, I guarantee you they can understand if they've got any minds at all, whether they're a male or female. A friend of my uh, brother's, his son was going to California to do some research and at school out there and got a scholarship and he met with some of the people that he was going to be rooming with and two of them were uh, girls well one of them was a day but it was really a girl and the other one was uh, and wanted to refer be referred to as they and the other one was uh, definitely she recognized who she was and so they would text back and forth, and he said, boy, I'm going to be, because that, that girl said, I want 
you to understand I'm a they. You refer to me as they. He said, I'm going to be in trouble. I'm from the south, and I know that I'll refer to her as she. Second of all, God clearly gave us distinct genders. Who created us? God. Evolution didn't do it. Chance and mutation didn't do it. Natural selection didn't do it. God did it. And third, God created man and woman, or woman for man and man for woman. There's no such thing as creating man for man and woman for woman. God did not create homosexuals. He did not create them. They became that way. God does not make a mistake. God did not create cross-dressers. And fourth, God created man for woman for a permanent relationship. Now, how important is the marriage? Let me just share some things with you. There is a rapid rise in the acceptance of homosexuality and the same-sex marriage. You know that today. A homosexual is a person who experiences erotic desires, fantasies, and attractions towards a member of the same sex. Homo means same. Gay is a slay term for homosexuality of either gender. A lesbian is a female homosexual. A bisexual is a person sexually responsive to both genders. The term coming out refers to the act of openly acknowledging and publicly revealing that one is a homosexual. Same-sex marriage refers to a formal marital union of two persons of the same sex. The LGBT refers to lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender. The traditional concept of marriage, as we can see, is being challenged today like never before. Do you agree? In 2016, the report by CNN noted the traditional concept of family has evolved over the years. Gone are the days when it was just a husband and wife and maybe some children. Now, whether it includes a single parent or maybe an LGBT couple, people are redefining what it means to be a family. These days, families are said to be all about going or giving and receiving love and affection, as well as feeling protected and connecting with other human beings. For many people, it does not matter if that love or affection is shared between a married man and woman, an unmarried man and woman cohabiting with each other, or a same-sex couple. All these are considered family by the broader culture because they involve the giving and receiving of so-called love. Now I want to share something with you before I go further with this. This is contrary, contrary to the Word of God. All of it is. 
Now, this is what happens when Satan gets in there and starts confusing, causing chaos and disruption within the family. When families begin to split for any reason, soon anything is called family. Well-known newspaper ran an uh, article on today's family unit that featured seven stunning images. As one pursues the images, a majority of them depict same-sex couples, man and woman or woman and woman, often with young children living with the couple. June 26, 2016 was a day to celebrate same-sex couples because the Supreme Court, just because a court rules something does not mean that it's right. Man are, men are fallible. Women are fallible. And they are not God. They affirm their right to marry across the United States, agreeing with the majority of Americans who now support marriage equality. About after a year after, uh, or somewhere around a year after the Supreme Court ruling, almost half of gay and lesbian couples living together got married. Just to flaunt it a lot of them. To show that they could do it. Joe Dallas, a noted expert on homosexuality, addressed the attitudes of Christians. He said, notable is the fact that resistance to the redefinition of marriage has overwhelmingly come from conservative Christians. But even in the population, or in that population, a generation gap seems to exist. A Times survey or magazine for this uh, showed that 44% of self-identified evangelicals between the ages of 18 and 29 supporting the rights of homosexual couples to marry, but not necessarily indicating approval of homosexual itself. So it comes down to most Americans accept same-sex marriage, older Christians reject it, younger Christians tolerate it, even though they don't necessarily approve of it. Meanwhile, the LGBT community is now flexing its collective legal muscle against any whom they perceive to be violating their rights. Now, this is just with the homosexuals in marriage. The heterosexuals are increasingly open to premarital sex. A pastor at Union Church of Hillsdale, Illinois, she, she argues that premarital sex is okay for Christians. We can be chaste, faithful, in unmarried sexual relations if we exercise restraint, if we refrain from having sex that isn't mutually pleasurable and affirming, that doesn't respect the autonomy of sacred worth of ourselves and our partners. In keeping with the broad acceptance of 
premarital sex, many heterosexual Americans are now cohabiting rather than getting married. It is a new norm in America. 65% believe that it's a good idea. The poll also found that 44% of American adults would be okay with their children cohabiting prior to marriage. And let me tell you, that was in 2016. It's gone up since then. But without permanence, the family no longer functions as a haven of stability, security, and dependability. And people, especially children, need that stability and security and dependability. Well, getting back to the scripture, I, I was just departing a little bit to show you what, when we don't take marriage seriously, what can happen. Jesus is letting these Pharisees know this. They've missed the whole thing. And so in turn, he says, like I said, fourth, God created man and woman for a uh, permanent relationship. God did this for a reason, and that is to demonstrate his glory. He did it to show the masculinity of the male and the femaleness of the woman. That that unique distinction can be brought together that God created as one to complement one another. Jesus says, for this cause a man shall leave his father and mother shall cleave to his wife and they shall become one flesh. Jesus is telling the Pharisees that God created man and woman different but for each other to be together to be in that union, that permanent union to bring honor and glory to him. So he says, you want to talk about divorce? Let me give you a refresher course on marriage. What God intended, God created man and woman. He created man and woman to show you know, our need for each other. And, and man and woman were created for each other. They, they need each other. They are to become one flesh. Where did he say that they were to be torn apart? Now, I know that many of us have experienced that, and that's unfortunate. But as I said last week, we don't need to let Satan deceive us into thinking that that is the unpardonable sin or the unpardonable sin. And we have treated it like it in the past. Now, it doesn't mean that we're con to condone it, but when we make a mistake like everything we do, more than likely, if we do it long enough, we're going to make a mistake in it, right? And so in turn, we're to teach others about this to help them to be stronger and not be uh, ashamed of our failures in the sense of, hey, I, you know, don't get around me. I'm plagued or something else. Tell them that, hey, I made a mistake. And I'm trying to make the most of this relationship, and I want you to know that to keep you from making mistakes, let me take you to what God says in the Word of God. And so, they are to become one flesh. You Pharisees are asking me about divorce, he says. What was God's intent from the beginning? How were men and uh, women 
uh, to uh, bring him glory. One way was through the bond of marriage. They were asking the wrong question in the wrong context for the wrong reason with the wrong motivation. Now look at what Jesus says in verse 6. Consequently, there are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. We can tell people that's what God intended. And unfortunately, because of our sin nature, we don't always adhere to God and, and his word. We fail him in many different ways. But I want to tell you, take it serious. Let's tell our, the younger generation, take it serious. This is what God says. There's a lot of consequences, a lot of baggage, a lot of things that come with everything that we do, including our mistakes and including our mistakes with marriage. Jesus tells them the importance of staying together. He's telling the Pharisees, don't ask me about divorce. Talk to me about marriage. That's the important thing. Let's start focusing in on marriage. If God has joined the relationship together as one, Jesus tells them the reason you're having difficulty with the divorce question is because you don't understand the marriage covenant. Marriage is not a contract. Did you hear me? It is not a contract. People will tell you in our culture, this is a contract. It is not a contract. It is not like a business contract. Contracting with each other we think about what is good for us and is our best interest. In America, the contract has to be negotiated and has to be negotiated fairly, usually with stipulations and with clear details as to how, it, how it's to operate. Almost every contract has a duration clause, and that means that if it doesn't work for us anymore, then we can renegotiate. We're no longer, you know, to do business until we get that clarified and worked out. Unfortunately, today, that is how the marriage covenant works. It is no longer looked at as a covenant. It is looked at as a contract. If someone wants to get out of the contract, they get out with the no-fault contract back in the 70s. You remember when it was brought about for any reason whatsoever. Jesus is letting the Pharisees know that marriage was not designed to be that way from the beginning. It wasn't that way. The ideal situation was not that way. It was to be a covenant, not a contract. Jesus had elevated the discussion from divorce here to marriage. This is where you need to be, begin. It was about God's plan and not man's plan. You see, man's plan dealt with, because of the hardness of your heart, the divorce. He says, no, I, I want you to get it back up where it needs to be. It needs to be elevated to God's plan. It was about reflecting God's image, not man's personal happiness. The permanent marriage bond is in keeping with God's original design. For men and women. Jesus is quoting scripture. And saying. What therefore God has joined together. Let no man separate. And we need to start taking. Marriage seriously. Our culture is not today. So often it is not. And I want to tell you. One of the reasons I said last week. This is no fault. 
divorced back in the 70s if for any reason. I mean, you know, just like during that day, the Hillel school, for any reason. In our day, Satan makes his most strategic attack on the image of, and glory of God by his influence and the destruction of marriage. Christians need to raise their eyes from themselves Forget any justification for divorce and learn to live together like God requires. And this is what we need to start teaching our children. Like I said, it's not that we don't make mistakes. It's but by the grace of God that all of us who are together are, are together, whether in the first marriage or second marriage or whatever. It's but by the grace of God. Nothing that, yeah, I mean, we work, but even us working together, that's the grace of God working in our life. And, you know, man must not separate the union and go into it thinking that way. Our marriage does not belong to us, but to God. And divorce is Satan's method of destroying a divine creation called marriage. Just like what I shared with you, with what's going on here in America. And we'll look next at man's attempt to justify, since Jesus has refused to comment on divorce, uh, the Pharisees get a little more specific uh, with their questioning. And they said to him, why then did Moses command to give her a certificate of divorce and send her away? Well, the questioning was more specific, but it was not an honest betrayal of what Moses had said. It's a misrepresentation of the text. Going to Deuteronomy 24, it says, When a man takes a wife and marries her, and it happens that she finds no favor in his eyes because she has found some indecency in her, and he writes her a certificate of divorce and put it, puts it in her hand and sends her away from his house, and she leaves his house and goes and becomes another man's wife, and if the latter husband turns against her and writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand sends her out of his house, and if the latter husband dies who took her, to be his wife, then her former husband who sent her away is not allowed to take her again to be his wife since he has been defiled. For that is an abomination before the Lord and you shall not bring sin on the land which the Lord your God gives you as an inheritance. This is no command here. First of all, Moses never commanded divorce. Moses says that the man had, had to divorce his wife. The Pharisees have openly misrepresented the text. That is, what happens when a man tries to justify their beliefs? What they misrepresent the text. We misrepresent scriptures if we're not careful today. We do the same thing as the Pharisees. In the name of love, some individuals and groups not only condone divorce for any reason, but insist that it's sometimes God's will. A well-known entertainer claimed that her divorce was justified because her husband was a uh, detriment to her career or a detriment to her career. Even when Christians go to Scripture for guidance concerning divorce and remarriage, they often do it with preconceived ideas and predispositions that make responsible interpretation impossible. We all have that problem. We wrestle with it. I do. We sometimes consult Scripture solely to find justification for our views. Still others add to and take away from Scripture and, and make it very legalistic and, and uh, make sure that, uh, you know, that 
they, they're justified in what they think about it. And they've done this with divorce also. This is why I'm saying it's not the unpardonable sin, as some people have treated it as. Jesus' response uh, responds and says, because of your hardness of heart, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives. But from, that was not from the beginning. It hasn't been always been that way. So Jesus lets them know why they were really talking about divorce. It was because of the hardness of their hearts. And the reality is because you have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that's why we're even talking about it. That's what he's saying. Divorce has become a confession of man's sinfulness, of his depravity. I mean, it just, just like any other sin, you know, it, it shows us that, um, uh, you know, we've fallen. Fallen from the ideal. And hate, God hates divorce, we know that. And so Moses commanded a, a bill of divorce. Unfaithfulness, unfaithfulness was the cause during Moses' day, and it was a sign of their sinfulness. And divorce was only coming at that time to try and offer some sanity and some protection for the people. The certificate of a divorce was only to help stop the downward spiral of destruction on the home. Divorce only emerges in Scripture because you've already undermined marriage. And this is what he's saying. You're already subverting marriage. And Moses knew the hard-heartedness of the people. And that it would continue. And it would grow rampant. And all kinds of things, when the, the home was destroyed, would, would come from it. Just like today. And it's because of the hardness of your hearts. It was not this way from the beginning. In the beginning, God's intent was for the marriage to be monogamous and permanent. And so Jesus goes on in verse 9, And I say to you, whoever uh, divorces his wife except for immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. He tells the Pharisees that there are different schools of opinion on divorce. They're wrong. He defines sexual immorality here in a very clear way. The word used for immorality in the Greek is a word translated fornication. And fornication is a general term, a term an umbrella term that, that covers a lot of different sexual acts that violate the marital uh, vow. And so uh, Jesus refers to the Jewish generation over and over again. As a wicked and adulterous generation, adultery is a metaphor for human covenant breaking, just like here, as he used it for the nation with God, here with the marriage between man and woman. So understanding the seriousness of marriage, the, the disciples said, hey, nobody can do this. It's impossible. It might as well, you know, remain uh, single. And Jesus is saying, well, that's true for some people. As we talked about at, when we read the scripture, some people were created that way. Some people were made that way. And some people chose to be that way. But not everybody can. And it's difficult. So what is he saying? He's saying, just take it seriously. Take it seriously. And I want to close with this. qualifies as pornonia.
It is wise not to jump to the uh, assumption that a one-time indiscretion of one spouse against another qualifies as Jesus' fornication. Jesus does not condone sexual immorality in any form and also hates divorce. So he's, he's saying, you know, it's, it's, it was made to be permanent. So don't just give up. A lot of people, when that happens, just gives up. Jesus made clear that the allowance for divorce, even justified, is only an allowance, never a mandate. It was assumed in the first century that a divorced person would remarry. That's, that's why it's even being brought up. Therefore, the only way to avoid the adulterous sin of a wrongful remarriage was not to go through a wrongful divorce. However, in the case of uh, it being biblically justified, we're to assume that the offending spouse is not justified in remarriage, but that the offended spouse is allowed remarriage. Now, some who have wrongfully remarried may wonder if they're continually living in an adulterous relationship, and this is where we've gone wrong in the church. I mean, it's like putting a big A on somebody's back. This dilemma is contrary to 1 Corinthians 10, 13, which says that God will never put a believer in a situation where he and she has to sin. He will always make a way out of sin. And so the sin of adultery is a wrongful remarriage is, is a one-time sin at the beginning of that new marriage. And, uh, you know, they need to confess it just like anything else. From that point on, the new husband and wife are committed before God to preserve their relationship for life. Neither spouse in the new marriage has the option of going back to the previous mate, we're told. And we must never allow the undercut of divine nature of marriage which is an institution and it's created by God which means we must never take it lightly don't undercut it Jesus is bringing it back the importance of it and we should also now we'll be talking in Thessalonians about some of the things that I talked about this morning in referring to what has happened with the, uh, the marriage and how it's gone haywire and all these ways of uh, all these sinful acts and things that are being accepted today. And are they signs of the end time? Well, they're definitely shadows that are extending out from the signs of the end time. That will be happening and we'll be talking about that. They'll be, uh, uh, this will be very, very, very common, even more common than today in the end times. It's just a shadow that is extending out, becoming bigger, showing us that, hey, times are growing closer. And we need to recognize that as believers. But what we need to do as we live in this world is be determined in our hearts and souls by the grace of God to be committed in marriage if we're married if we're not to stay single 
if that's the way God has led us, and also to be pure to him and, and to teach this. And if we failed, to let the younger generation know what can happen and to help them in not going that way by taking them to what Jesus says, what the Word says, not so much about divorce as it is the importance of marriage and letting them know that you recognize that like you've never recognized it before. Nothing wrong with that. Great teaching. A lot of times I guess I teach from my failures more so than my victories because I feel like I take too many steps backwards than forward. But hopefully I am taking more steps forward and progressing in my walk. But those steps backwards, we're to learn from. They're there for a reason. And if we overlook them or try to excuse them, then we'll miss out and others will miss out on great insights and a blessing from God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I just want to thank you for your wonderful love and grace. God, I wouldn't be standing here if it wasn't for that. I want to thank you that all of our sins, anything, even when we make a mistake or we sin and it causes something like divorce and remarriage, that can be forgiven. But God, help us to be true to what we do, even when we fall, and help us to help others in overcoming those pitfalls where they won't fall in by taking them to your word and by your spirit dealing with our lives. Thank you, God, that we have a perfect God with a perfect grace that helps us through each and every situation. Help us in all things, and especially in marriage, to emphasize the importance of marriage to others. Not to take it lightly. As so much, or so many times, it's taught in our society today. Well, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.